0: You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, O God, for you are good. Lord, you were good yesterday, you are good today, and you will be good forever. Lord, thank you, O God, for the mercy that you have shown to us, sinners, O Lord, sending Jesus Christ to die, to endure this race, O Lord, to be punished for our sins so that we might have life in Christ. Lord, thank you, O God. We owe you everything. Lord, we ask that your spirit would be with us now. Would you fill our hearts and would you teach us your word, O God, that we might be changed to be more like our Savior, O God. We so desperately desire this, O Lord, that we would put sin away and live in righteousness. Lord, teach us, change us, be with us. We need you right now so much, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well... That was Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, so please go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 12:1 and 2, that's our passage for today. Not sure if you're aware of this or if you just found out, but all of us, every single last one of us as believers in Jesus Christ, are on a run. We are on a run, athletic or not, young or old, weak or strong, broken leg or able-bodied, we're on a run. And we're all racing together towards the finish line. And this isn't some 5K fun run that you do at work. This is a lifelong marathon faith run that we do with the church. Some of us are great runners on this race. Some of us are lagging a bit behind. Some of us have been injured and have some hurts and bruises. Some are fast and some should be running a little bit Faster, but we're all on this faith run and we're on it together. It's true with any run that is of great distance. You need endurance. You need endurance. You can't expect to do well in a marathon if you don't have endurance. If your heart will give out, if your legs will give out, if your breathing can't keep up, you will not succeed. You need endurance. Good runners will do anything to improve the time over their distance. And as it is true for them, it is true for us in our faith run. It also requires endurance because this race can get really hard at times. We need some encouragement, don't we? We need to make sure that we don't give out. We need to keep up our endurance. Some of us have been running for a long, long time. Praise the Lord for you. Some of us are brand new to this run, but we all need encouragement. We all need endurance We need to know that this run of faith, this Christian life, is possible to be done successfully. And not only do we need to know that, we also need to desire it, don't we? Not just that we can run this race with endurance, but that we want to run this race with endurance. That we don't want to have a, a, a life in Christ that is so bogged down by sin and weights, but a life that is free to run. A life that is free in Christ, so that we can, with the Apostle Paul at the end of our lives, say, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That is what we want to be able to say that we ran this race well. So let's dive into our text and see what the Lord has for us today. We need endurance, all right? Are your running shoes on? Are they tied up? You got your jogging pants on? Let's go. To run with endurance, I must be inspired by the champions of faith. To be inspired by the champions of faith. Look at the text, verse 1, chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This great cloud of witnesses, what is this great cloud? Well, in chapter 12 here, we see the author is, is giving us an exhortation to the church based on what he has written in chapter 11. In chapter 11, the writer lays out for us example after example after example of men and women who have successfully run the race of faith. People's stories over thousands of years that God thought were so important that he needed to record it for us so that we can look back and know what God has done in their lives. You see, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are part of a pretty remarkable family of faith. People, though, who in themselves are incredibly ordinary, people who are incredibly average or less than average, But we're able to accomplish incredible things because of faith. Every now and then, every now and then, we just need to go ahead and peek behind the curtain of history and see what the Lord has done. Be encouraged that God took men and women who were really nothing and accomplished great things with them so that we can know it is possible for Him to accomplish it in our lives as well. Chapter 11 is just really a big pep talk for the Christian walk. So why don't we quickly do an overview of what goes on in chapter 11 and be encouraged by the saints who have gone before us. Have you ever ever wondered if your sacrifice, if your work for the Lord, if your life is acceptable to God? Look no further than the story of Cain and Abel, who Abel was able to give an offering to God that was acceptable to him. Was it because Abel was so great? No, it's because he was filled with faith. Are you filled with faith? How about Noah, who was commanded to build an ark? When there was no water, commanded to build a giant boat, he was mocked and ridiculed. yet when the flood waters came, he was in God's obedience. And now the writer here says that he is the heir of righteousness that comes by faith. How about Abraham? How about Abraham? Have you ever? Felt that calling on your life to step out into maybe missions or into ministry? Well, I can tell you this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have because we're all commanded to go and make disciples. God's calling on your life and his calling on Abraham was leave the city you were born and raised in and everything you know. Leave your family. Leave everything you have. I'm going to take you to a new land. And without hesitation, Abraham picks up and goes. Why? Why? Because he was great? No, because he had faith. Because he had faith. And then when he had his son of promise, Isaac, God commanded him, take him up and sacrifice him. Sacrifice him. In his old age, he takes up his son to sacrifice him. Why? Because he believed in the promises of God by faith. He believed that even if he went through with it, even though God stopped him, the writer of Hebrews tells us that Abraham believed that God would raise him from the dead. That's Faith. It's faith. How about Sarah, his wife, who conceived in her old age? Do women who are 90 have babies? In faith, it is possible. In faith, how about Moses, who kept the Passover? Right? God commanded him, put blood of the lamb on all the doorposts of the Israelites in Egypt and when the destroyer came through, he passed over all the Israelites and destroyed the firstborn of the Egyptians, but Moses did this by faith, knowing the promises of God are true. How about the Israelites, as they leave, they, they cross over the Red Sea on dry ground. How? By faith. By faith. How about when they were trying to enter in the promised land with Joshua, and they, they march around the walls of Jericho. They blow their trumpets. They don't touch the wall once, but what happens to that wall? It falls down and is crumbled. Why? Because of faith. Because of faith about Rahab, who God spared and lived because she was welcoming to the spies? By faith, by faith. And the author of Hebrews is going on and on about all these stories. Are you encouraged yet? Are you encouraged yet? Have you seen what God has done? And in verse 32 of chapter 11, he kind of just explodes. He says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me. To tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and David and Samuel and the prophets who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to fight. That's our God. Are you encouraged by what God has done, what has gone before? Remember these champions of faith and be inspired that God can use you too. There was nothing special about them. There's only something special about our God. It is the same God who helped Abraham. and It is the same God who knocked down those walls that is working a life of faith in you. There are no walls that are too big for our God. He has proved it. The author here is saying, just look, church, just look back. Look what God has already done, what he has done with his people, what he has done with people just like you, and he can do it in you as well. He does this for people who he has called to himself. We don't need to be discouraged. We don't need to be discouraged as we walk through this life and there's potholes and there's, when we trip up a little bit, God has used men and women of faith, of faith to finish this race with integrity, holiness, endurance, and in a way that is pleasing to God through faith. What an incredible resource we have. What an incredible resource we have to be able to look back over thousands of years and see the working of God. Do you know your Bible? Do you know the Word of God that He has given to you that is in your hand right now and the encouragement it can be for your life? Look back to the champions of faith, be inspired by the champions of faith. We need to be inspired. We need to be inspired. That's why God has provided this for us, that we would know Him and be inspired by what He can do. And to do this, to do this, we also need to take some responsibility. To run the race with endurance, I must be inspired by the champions of faith, but I, I must take some responsibility. I must take some responsibility. When I was handing in my notes uh, to the girls to print off the the bulletins that you're holding right now, they said, take some responsibility. You sound like an old dad. (laughs) And that's okay. It's true. We need to take some responsibility for what we do. We need to take some responsibility. Look at the text. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Do you see the instruction there? Do you see what the Word of God is telling us to do? Since we have this history to look back on, since we have this incredible work of the saints of faith, we must lay aside every weight and sin. Because it's impossible to have it both ways, isn't it? It's impossible to be looking back and be inspired by the Word of God and what He has done and have sin clinging to us. You'll be doing either one or the other. The question here is, what are we filling our minds with? What are we filling our minds with? Either you're spending your time knowing the examples of God, seeing what he has done in faith, or will be consumed by the weights and the sin that are clinging so closely to us. See, we're on a race. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're on this faith run, and you should be running freely. I'm not saying without difficulty, but you should be running freely. Freely, without weight and sin clinging to you. You see, Satan isn't stupid. And he hates you. He doesn't want you to run this race freely. He's looking at you, and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he knows that you've been sealed in the Holy Spirit, that you're going to heaven, that your salvation is secured, but he wants to make the rest of your life as miserable as possible. He's trying to tell you and whispering even in your ear right now, you can't do this. Your sin is too great. You'll never let this go. You like how it clings to you. He doesn't want you to look back to the champions of faith. He wants you to look to your sin that will hold you back from living a fruitful and powerful life in the gospel. He tells you you're not worthy of faith that endures. What we need to say to the devil is you can go to hell. Go back to where you belong because I'm a child of God. Within me, I got no chance but with the blood of Jesus Christ over me I can lay aside these things that cling so closely. Is it not the same faith in us that was in Abraham? Is it not the same faith that's in us that was in Noah? Is it not the same faith that's in us that was in Moses? Is it not the same faith that is in us that was in David? Yes. Yes, it is. But we need to take some responsibility for how we're spending our time. Maybe Satan isn't even working that hard on you because he knows you're going to voluntarily give up your time. He doesn't really need to say anything to you you will run to that sin voluntarily. But here's the question. Here's the question. Honestly, look at yourself. What is clinging to you? What is clinging to you? What is weighing you down? What is it in your life right now that keeps you from running Can we be a church that can openly admit we're a bunch of sinners? Can we be a church that says, it's okay that I'm not perfect because Christ is perfect? Can we we be a church that never just pretends like we got it all together, but a church that would be on our knees before God? Lord, please help me. Please help me lay aside these clinging sins. I need brothers and sisters in Christ to come around me and help me. Can we confess our sin to one another? You might think in confessing your sin you have so much to lose. The reality is you have so much to gain. Confess your sins to one another. Be forgiven. Live this life in power. Don't be held back by what the enemy wants for your life. Run towards Christ. I grew up with two brothers. There's three of us. My mom needed a lot of prayer. Um... But uh, three young boys, and uh, as boys do, they wrestle with their dad. Um, He could beat us up then, but I could take him now, all right? (laughs) Hope he's watching. Um, And we'd jump on my dad, we'd wrestle him, we would try, you know, he'd just throw us off, you know. We were just little punks, but he would... He'd be throwing us off, and, uh, and then eventually he would get fed up. He's like, okay, I'm done, I'm done. And then he'd be walking away, and then one of us would grab onto his back, right? And then, and then the other two would hold onto his ankles, and then he'd be walking through the house like this, right? Pulling the kids along with him. It's just like our sin. We play with our sin. We make the decision to be with our sin And then it clings to us. And it doesn't let go. We consciously make the decision that we want to be with our sin and it clings to us. We need to take some responsibility of what we're doing with our time. Because these things make the faith run really difficult. Here's Daniel's clinging list. All right? Let me be open with you. These are the things that cling on in my life. Selfishness. I can be in my flesh unbelievably selfish. What is the first, first thought that comes to my mind? How can I make this more comfortable for me? How can I put myself first? How can I make sure that I'm heard? How can, we, how can I make sure that we do what I want done? How can I make sure that. that, that we do the things that I'm saying. How can I make sure it's so sinful? It clings. It clings. But I need to admit it so that I can put it to death. I need to remember Philippians 2.3 and fight it. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. I need the word of God because I'm so selfish in my flesh. It's ugly. How about comparison? My goodness. My goodness. I can compare, looking at other men and just being like, I wish I was like them, even people who aren't saved, it's just so evil, looking at them and being like, wow, I wish I had what they had, I wish I I I was like them, I wish I was able to confront things the way they confronted things, I wish I was able to do this and that and the other, it's sin, it clings to me, I have to put it to death, I need to remember Proverbs 24, 19, It says, fret not yourself because of evildoers and and be not envious of the wicked. For the evil man has no future. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Don't envy evil men. You're alive in Christ, Daniel. So evil. Uh, Laziness. Laziness. I just want to stay in bed another 15 minutes. I I I just don't want to go outside, just let me stay in and sit on the couch for a bit longer. It's laziness. I was reading in Proverbs the other day, and it was saying how the sluggard uh, rolls in his bed and makes sounds like a hinge on a door, right? That's me in my flesh. Proverbs 12:11 says whoever works his land will have plenty of bread and he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. I need the word of God. I need the word of God. How about anger? Man, I can struggle with anger. Honestly, sometimes I just I lose track and sight of what's really important and in a moment something happens and I'm just welled up with anger, just lacking the spirit of God. I need to be filled with the spirit I need to be filled with the spirit. I need to remember James 1:20 that says for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. My anger is clinging to me and holding me back from running successfully. I need to preach this to myself constantly. Daniel, 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 you're such a sinner. Don't allow these things to cling to you. Lay them aside because they're killing you. We're all human. We're all sinners. We're in this together. No sin is too great for our God. He is merciful. So merciful. Sin can cling so closely though, can't it? So closely. It's amazing how our brains work, how God designed our brains. And when done in righteousness, it's wonderful. But when we allow sin to penetrate into our lives, our, our brains can do funny things. We, our brains reward um, Pleasure with, like, chemicals that give us more pleasure. So what happens to people who are addicted to drugs? They take a heavy drug, and it releases these these chemicals in their brain. I'm not a scientist, right? But it releases these chemicals in their brain, and then it gives them a momentary high and some euphoric feeling for, for a moment, and then, and then that dies off, but then they want that feeling again, so they take more drugs, and every time they take drugs, they need to take a little bit more drugs to get that feeling back. And you trained your brain to love the sin, and every time you go back to it, you're, you're, you're making it cling more closely to who you are, but you have chose to do it. You've chose to do it. you become addicted and dependent, and you've trained your brain to love the sin, the same thing happens with maybe stealing something. You steal something once, you get away with it, and you get this rush. The Lord sees. But you get this adrenaline rush, and, and you want that rush again, so you steal something else and something bigger and something more, and you're training your brain to love the sin instead of love righteousness. How about people's approval? It feels really, really, really good when somebody compliments me. It feels so good when somebody compliments me that I go out of my way to make sure that I look fantastic. I spend hours in front of the mirror. I take a thousand photos of myself and post just the right one to get the likes. It's funny, it's funny, but really it grieves the heart of God. Why? Because we're putting our worth, our love into self into the approval of man instead of the approval of God. That we would take our time, so much of our time, and seek that somebody would tell me that I look okay. Momentary satisfaction. Brain releases chemicals. Training my brain to love the sin. Same with sexual sin. God has created sex to be enjoyed between a husband and wife. True enjoyment, true bliss, true just fantastic, really, in that context, but when we pervert that, when we allow to be sexually gratified by a way that is not in the way that God intended it, we become addicted to that thing, and we continually train our brain to enjoy sin. Do you feel hopeless in this fight? Do you make excuses now? Have you, have you got to the point where it's so deep that you've justified it? That you say, "Well, this is just the way my mind is. I, I can't stop it. When I'm in that place, I just have to go for it. I, I'm too far gone as the enemy whispers that into your ear. It's no longer my fault. I'm an addict. But the truth is is we've brought ourselves there. We've deliberately trained our brain to love the sin. Do you feel hopeless? I think you need to be encouraged. And that's what the Word of God is today. Do you see the instruction right there? In the text it says, lay it aside. Lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Lay it aside. Lay it aside. The Word of God is telling you. Do you know what that means when the Word of God tells you to do something? It means if God is telling you to do something, He will give you the power to do it. There is nothing too big for our God. Do you think the walls looked really big for the Israelites when they marched around it in Jericho? This is impossible. No, not with faith, not with our God. You can't get rid of your clinging sin and weights if you're unable to admit that you have them. We need to take a deep look into self an honest approach of our life. Ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind the things that are clinging so closely to us and destroy them. Confess your sin to one another. Confess it to the Lord. Repent of the sin. Turn away. Let's be a church that can do this. Let's be a church that knows that we're all sinners and we can confess our sin to one another and pray for one another and help each other along this faith run. We need help. We need prayer. We need each other. We need the Lord. Take responsibility for sin and throw it off. You have the ability with the Holy Spirit of God working within you to choose good. God wants to release you from your sin. Do you want it? Do you want it? This week in small group, we're going over this. Don't let that discourage you from going to small group, okay? Let it encourage you to go to small group because you'll be surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ that want the best for your life, that want to see you break free from sin and chains that you thought could never be cast off. Is there a chain that's too heavy for our God to break? No chance. No chance. Confess to one another. Take responsibility for what we've done. Put your mind away from the things that cling to you we must look back to the champions of faith. We, we need to be inspired by them. We must take responsibility and we also must have tunnel vision. We must have tunnel vision. To run the race with endurance, I must have tunnel vision. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith setting your gaze upon Jesus Christ. The word here, looking, in the Greek is an unusual verb in Scripture, but it's not, it's not just saying, look. We don't translate it that well. It's, it's, not just, it's not just like, hey, look this way. In the Word is built in the idea of looking at nothing else, Fully focused on one thing, not turning to the left or to the right, but fully focused on Jesus Christ. Tunnel vision. Tunnel vision to your Savior. For a runner in a long race, they're tired, thirsty, legs hurt, breathing hard, sweating, cramps, they're hurting. Their minds weak. They're just trying to get to the just trying to get to the end. Just trying to get to the end. Tunnel vision, tunnel vision, tunnel vision. If you came up to a runner near the end of a marathon and said, Hey man, do you want, what do you want to do after this? Like, Get away from me. I can't think about that right now. I have tunnel vision on the end. We need to have tunnel vision on Jesus Christ. Tunnel vision on Jesus Christ. We need to look to him. What does it mean to look to Jesus Christ? Know him, know him well. Know him really, really well. What a joy it is to know Jesus Christ. Know him better than your children. Know him better than your spouse. Cling to Jesus Christ so that the sin won't cling to you. Know what he has said. Know what he has done. Know what he has done with the champions of faith. Know what he can do with you and what he wants for you. Pray to Jesus. Pray to Jesus all the time. The scriptures instruct us, pray without ceasing. Why? Because we need it. For endurance, to know him, to finish strong. You need to pray to Jesus like you need to eat food every day. We need to pray to Jesus like we need to go to sleep every night. We need to pray to Jesus and know Jesus like you need to breathe to live. If I were to come up here and preach a sermon on how important it is for you to eat three meals a day, breathe, and sleep at night, none of you would go, Whew, legalism. What's this preacher telling me to do? Sleep every night? Change it up a little bit. Your body has physical needs. Your soul has spiritual needs. To run the race with endurance, you need to be looking to Jesus. We need to be looking to Jesus. Just watch out as our church sets our gaze upon Jesus Christ, as we look to Jesus Christ and have tunnel vision on him, what the Holy Spirit will do in this place. As we confess our sins to one another, keep our focus completely on Christ, looking to him. Why? Why? Because he and he alone is the author and perfecter of our faith. He did the work. Perfectly. He showed us the perfect example of what faithfulness looks like. And he has given you your faith. The same faith that was given to Abraham, given to you. The same faith that was given to Moses, given to you. The same faith that was given to the Apostle Paul, given to you. He is the author. He is the perfecter. You can turn from the weight and the sin that clings so closely and be freed to live a life and run this faith, run for Christ leading to eternal life. Pray to Jesus, set your gaze on him now. Don't wait. Don't wait. Have tunnel vision on the author and perfecter of your faith. He is the ultimate example for us, and he is the one who saves us. We need to look back to the champions. We need to see what they've done, what Christ can do, and what he has done. We need to take responsibility for right now. We need to have tunnel vision on Jesus Christ. And to run with endurance, I must know the joy that awaits I must know the joy that awaits. Look at the text again, verse 2. It says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Believer in Christ. Do you realize that the, what the joy is that is set before you? Do you realize the joy that is set before you? Those that have their gaze affixed on Christ, there is a prize at the end of this race. Do you know the joy? Immeasurable joy. Unspeakable joy. Joy complete and full in the Holy Spirit. A joy that will allow you to live this life giving everything up because you are so assured of your eternal possession in faith in Jesus Christ. He is everything you need and everything you will need. We can look forward to when there is no more sin, when we are face to face with our Savior. We can have that joy then and we can have it in part now. Is not the fruit of the Spirit joy? Can we have that joy now when we are filled with the Spirit, when we are looking to Christ? Life is hard. It was hard for the champions, it's hard for us. This race isn't easy. This race is difficult. It's a winding, narrow road filled with potholes and difficulty and an accuser who is telling you you can't do it. But you can do it with joy. You can do it with joy. Righteousness in your life, doing what you're supposed to be doing regardless of what's happening around you, obedience in Christ will cause you a deep, Holy Spirit joy that can never be taken from you. 2 Corinthians 4:17 says for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison this light momentary affliction it's light and it's momentary in the in the sight of what is to come It will prepare for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Do you know what that means? It means that everything that you go through today, everything that you will go through in this faith run, means a lot. And it's not wasted. It's preparing for you a weight of glory beyond all comparison. God is in control of it all. The pain now on this bumpy road is not wasted. It's bringing you to a joy. My wife and I, we have two children, and uh, as many women in the room can attest that when you are pregnant and you're, um, then you go into labor, it's extremely painful, right? Extremely painful. I can't personally give you an account for the pain, but I've seen it on someone's face and oh my goodness, it is something else. I mean, she grabbed my arm so hard, I thought it was gone forever, (laughs) I was like, well, I guess I can't use that anymore. <laughs> there's nothing that's hurt more than this right now. <laughs> no, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> to all the, I think there's 12, maybe 14 women in our church that are pregnant right now. Advice to the guys, don't say that, okay? So much pain. She was uh, huffing and puffing and in labor and excruciating pain. Get this baby out of me. Where's the doctor? The road was hard, very hard. But the joy that came at the end made it all worth it. When you get to hold your child for the first time, I mean, joy, joy. The road was hard, but the joy at the end of it made it so worth it. So worth it. It was so worth it, we decided to do it again. (laughs) You see, nobody chooses the bumpy, hard, difficult road unless they can see at the end of it there's joy. This is true for the Christian walk. We are in labor pains until our Savior returns. But the joy, oh, the joy... As you will behold him face to face. Believer in Jesus Christ, do not be discouraged. He is with you, He is with you for always. Jesus did this. You see, the night before the crucifixion, before he was betrayed, he he could see. The text is telling us that he could see the joy that was before him. He knew Sunday's coming. I will be resurrected. I will defeat Satan's sin and death and I will call the children of God to me and I will be raised and I will be given the name above every name. The joy is coming. But Friday and Saturday still had to come. He even asked, Lord, if you would take this cup from me, if you would take this from me, O Lord. But if not, your will be done. And he went through his road perfectly. See, he still needed to endure the betrayal of his friends, endure the beatings that would come, the whips, the false trials, the crown of thorns, the weight of a cross on his broken open back, carrying it to the place he would be crucified, and then nailed to that very cross. And worse than that, worse than that, the sins of the world placed on his shoulders. Worse than that, the wrath of God being put on him and him alone. And worse than that, the father turning his back. To the Son, And he endured it perfectly. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He endured it perfectly. And in his victory over sin, he was raised in glory and to joy. Mm-hmm. Satan wants you to forget that you're even on a run. Satan wants to lull us to sleep with the weights and the sins of this world, the comforts of this world, Lawless us to sleep so that we won't get up and run hard after the Lord, throwing off the weights and living a life that is fruitful for the gospel of Christ. But we can. But we can. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you can lay aside all the sin, all the weights that cling to you, and we can run after Jesus Christ with endurance, looking to his example. Christ is our example. Pick up our crosses and follow him. It's a long and difficult road, but it's so worth it. It is so, so worth it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so good to us. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for your kindness, oh God. Oh Lord, we are a sinful people. Lord, we are a church that is filled with sin. Oh Lord, we need to confess this sin, oh Lord. Because although we have at times desired this world, Lord, we so much more in our hearts desire you. And so, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us tear down our pride and admit our sins that we can run this race with endurance, hard after you, O God? Would you be glorified in our lives and in our church? O Lord, we need you, O God. Let our gaze be set upon you and you alone. Lord, would you be with us now? Would you give us this strength? Lord, would you encourage your church that this is possible by the blood of Jesus Christ and through the working of the Holy Spirit in us? Lord, we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.